has been uh, out of town. She left me with my four children. I shouldn't say it like that. I encouraged her to, to take this trip. I was blessed to be with my four children while she was out of town. And then I got a fever. Um, I needed worship today. So thank you to the worship team because that was beautiful and it was exactly what my heart needed. I don't have a fever anymore. All of you who shook my hand now are like, why, why? Um, the fever's gone. It's fine. <laughs> Uh, we are continuing our all-in series this morning. We are nearing the end. Next week, as you heard on the video, uh, is Commitment Sunday. That's when we're bringing back our commitment cards, uh, bringing back, if you've got a rock at the beginning of the series and you still have that, you can bring that back with you next Sunday as well. Uh, or for all of you who, like me, went home and added it to your uh, flower bed, we'll have rocks here on Sunday for you to bring uh, forward. But it's Commitment Sunday. We're excited we're excited because Commitment Sunday is kind of the end of what has truly been a discernment process. And that's what this process has been. This, this was not a prepackaged uh, thing where we told you what is going to happen at all costs, no matter what you think. This was a whole process uh, designed to bring us together in discernment. And now next week is kind of the culmination of that with Commitment Sunday. And I know that uh, some of you here this morning are excited about Commitment Sunday. You have thought about this. You have prayed about this. You've maybe talked to your spouse about your commitment, and you are ready to go. You had that sucker filled out a few weeks ago, and you're like hot to trot, man, and that's wonderful. But I also know that there are people here today uh, for whom the idea of Commitment Sunday is filling you with not-so-great feelings. It's filling you with some anxiety. Uh, it's been an anxiety-inducing process, this uh, campaign and this series that we have been in. This is your church, but you have felt maybe a little bit on the outside looking in with all of this all-in stuff. This is your church, but you just haven't had peace about what it means to be all-in. There's some of you who feel that way. I'm not going to make you raise your hands, but there's some of you who feel that way this morning. I've spoken to some of you about that. And today, my hope is that this message can provide some clarity, some clarity. Not because I'm going to tell you how to fill out your card or even tell you that you have to fill out a card. That's not how you're gonna get clarity from me telling you something like that. I, I hope that we can get clarity by being reminded that the kingdom of God only works because of the church capital C, Church Universal, the kingdom of God works because of that church. And this church, this local gathering, this body uh, gathered together this morning, this place only works because of you, because of you. You all make up the church. So the title of the sermon this morning is, I skipped the video, didn't I, Dar? We're not playing it. Um, so the title of this sermon We'll play it at the end, before the last song. Uh, the title of the sermon is All Have Value. That's the title of the sermon today, All Have Value. And the topic uh, is ostensibly tied to the inclusive playground, which there's a great video about that you're going to see at the end of the sermon. Uh, uh, it's ostensibly tied to the inclusive playground that we're planning to build out here at the bridge. It's a, it's a beautiful idea. And as I thought about the playground, and I thought about this idea that all have value, I, I realized something. I have preached that sermon before. 
In fact, if you've been here for the past two years, you have no doubt heard me talking a lot about all have value, regardless of their age, gender, race, or abilities. This is something that comes up in my preaching. I've noticed time and time again, I'm passionate about this because I believe that the kingdom of God crisscrosses all of the lines that we have established as people. Lines, uh, lines and boundaries around who's in and who's out and what gender and what race and what age and what socioeconomic status. The kingdom of God crisscrosses all of that. And so I've talked before about all having value in the kingdom of God. I don't believe that we need a sermon today to convince us of that truth that all have value because I believe it is becoming part of our culture. And I'd like to say it is our culture, but I don't think that that's a destination that you ever arrive at. You're always working toward that. You're always moving in that direction to be a more uh, open place for people of all different backgrounds. And we're moving in that direction. I believe that we have a culture that is growing in that direction. So then I thought, well, okay, I don't want to preach about that. Uh, but the passage is supposed to be Acts chapter 10. I'll just preach about that and not worry about the title and just preach whatever I feel like, right? Because I do that sometimes. Um, and then I opened up and I looked at Acts chapter 10, and I realized that I preached about that story last year. We were in the book of Acts last year. You can go look it up. November 18th, 2018, I preached a sermon about Cornelius and Peter, and it was pretty good, you guys. You go online and turn it up to 2.5 speed, and you listen in 10 minutes, Okay. And, it, and I am better when I'm fast, you know what I'm saying? So you can listen to that if you want to, right? Uh, but I didn't want to preach about that again. It, it feels too close to me. And that's when I started to think about those of you who aren't sure how all in you are. And I was wondering about where that puts you as we near the end of this series. How, how you're coming to church, what you're sitting there with as we come to the close of this series. How has this been impacting you. And as I thought about that, my heart broke a little bit. And the reason that my heart broke a little bit is that if you feel that way, then we have not communicated clearly enough the truth that I'm here to preach about today that all have value. If you felt on the outside looking in or, or as though your voice didn't matter, as though your opinion didn't matter, or as though all we wanted from you was your money, then what we have failed to do is communicate the truth that all have value. So this morning, I'm calling an audible, uh, as I am prone to do, and we are going to go to Luke chapter 21. And we're just going to read the fir first four verses of Luke chapter 21, and I think they highlight what is truly valuable in the kingdom of God. As Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. So after the basement flooded at the Meredith Drive campus, uh, we decided as a church to do something that we called the 50-50 campaign. We knew that we needed to uh, start to seed a little bit of money to uh, rebuild the basement, what turned into the eventual uh, remodel plans that you can see right over here uh, in the sanctuary. Uh, but we knew also that our community had been affected. 
We knew that across the metro there were people whose houses had been flooded, people who didn't have resources uh, to help themselves in that situation. And so we really felt strongly about partnering with our community as well as uh, taking care of ourselves. And so we launched this campaign, and everything that came into the campaign, we kept 50% and we gave 50% away. The campaign ended up being so successful uh, that we were awarded like outstanding partner by the Des Moines Area Religious Council. I should have brought the little trophy thing. It's beautiful. Um, it's in, the, it's in the office in Meredith Drive. That's how much we love it. We should have a trophy case. Um, so, <laughs> no, that's, we did not do it for the trophy. Okay, um, that's just a fringe benefit. So, it was a good campaign. Uh, but the moment that sticks out to me about that campaign, as I thought back to that 50-50, how this all got started, the moment that stuck out to me uh, was there was a lemonade stand run by a little girl named Jolie Weeder. Jolie Weeder. She attends here at the bridge. Her embarrassed mom is sitting right over there. Uh, oh, she's sitting right over there. She's embarrassed too now. Um, she attends here at the bridge, and uh, she was so touched by the idea that we were going to be giving uh, money to the community and that we were going to be rebuilding our basement that she decided she wanted to build a lemonade stand to raise funds for the 50 50 campaign. And that's what she did. She went out, she wrote on a board about how the money was going to be spent uh, on flood relief, and she sold lemonade in her front yard on a hot July day to raise money for the 50-50 campaign. It was beautiful. It's the heart of a child to help uh, any way that she could. Here's the thing. That, I think that campaign raised six figures, something like that. Joe Lee's uh, uh, contribution was not the most financially significant contribution that was made. That, it was not. But it might have been the most significant contribution that was made. So in this passage today, Jesus is with his disciples in the temple, and they witness what I am going to lovingly refer to as a Jolie Weeder moment. She's going to be horrified. I'm sorry, Jolie. There are wealthy people coming and giving their gifts at the temple treasury. They're putting their money into the pot. And then there is a widow who brings her gift, uh, what Luke describes as two very small copper coins. Uh, that, that sounds like pennies to us, and that's exactly what they were. This was the lowest form of currency, the least valuable form of currency in the ancient Roman world, these copper coins. And this is what the widow brings and puts in to the temple treasury. This is an amount that, quite frankly, I would feel embarrassed to bring. Uh, if the offering bag was passing me here, uh, I, I wouldn't even feel right about putting two pennies into it. And this is what she brought. This is her gift, two pennies. And Jesus looks at that gift, and he says something that doesn't make a lot of sense to his disciples, and it doesn't probably make a lot of sense to us. He says, this widow has put in more than all the others. Now, I think it's important to note that Jesus does not say that the big gifts are not important. Let me say that again. Um, Jesus does not, no. Um, big gifts are wonderful, okay? Jesus is not saying, oh, these people who gave big gifts aren't doing anything at all. They're just bad people. It's not like that. But he points out, instead of those big gifts, he points out the gift of the widow. And he says, this woman, has given more than all the others. She put in more than all the others because she put in all that she had. And in doing so, she didn't just bring her two pennies, 
she brought something infinitely more valuable. She brought herself. So the first two people that I ever met from the bridge, and I didn't tell either of them I was going to say anything about them, so I'm sorry, uh, were Dave Vanderwerf and Christopher White. These were the first two people. Maybe you know uh, Dave and Christopher. They're, they've been elders. They've been part of leadership. Christopher sang today. Lovely. Uh, and they were the first two people that I ever met here at the bridge. My a phone call with them was like my initial interview. If, if you don't like me, they're the people to talk to. Um, and so they were the first people that I met. And when I first came for an in-person interview, uh, I, I had dinner with them the night before all of my interviews started, uh, and they were, like, the first people that I met. Uh, and Dave and Christopher turned out to be really great representatives of this church. So Dave is super Dutch, which is great. Uh, he's been going to Reformed churches for his whole life. Uh, he, he understands uh, the dynamics of Pella and Orange City, uh, and his wife, Lisa, makes the most delicious almond pie that you'll ever eat in your whole life. That's so Dutch. And some of you are laughing because you know about Dutch stuff. And some of you are like, what are you talking about? And that's where Christopher comes in. Because Christopher is not Dutch. It's not Van Weitzma. It's just white. Um, Christopher was, was born and raised in a place where I don't think there was probably a Reformed church within the county. Maybe not even in, you know, three counties. Uh, he grew up in a different denomination. He grew up in a different uh, part of the country. And if I'm remembering correctly, I think Christopher and his family first came to this church, uh, not because it was reformed or anything like that. It's because they moved into the neighborhood and they just needed a church to worship at that was close to their home. And I remember as I talked with them on the phone, the way that they both spoke about the church and each other got me very, very excited. It was clear that this was a place with heritage, but that was also focused on the future. It was clear that it was a place that uh, loved its denomination, but did not require denominational fidelity for, uh, as a prerequisite for uh, involvement. Both of these guys, who came from very, very different backgrounds, are what makes this church special. But I wouldn't have known any of that if they hadn't been open and honest with me about themselves and about the church. I wouldn't have known any of that if they hadn't brought themselves to the conversation, if they hadn't brought themselves to dinner, if they hadn't been willing to open up about where they came from and what their hopes were for the future. I wouldn't have known any of that. And instead of being excited about the church, I probably wouldn't have known quite what to think. The widow's pennies were not just about money. In fact, I don't think that the widow's pennies were about money at all. By bringing those pennies... What she was really bringing and really offering was herself, her future, her hopes, her sense of security. That's what she was offering to God. Her gift was valuable because she was valuable. Her gift counted as more than the gifts of the wealthy people because her gift wasn't about money. Her gift was herself. In the next verses of this passage, Jesus' disciples are admiring how beautiful the temple is. They're looking around and they're admiring how beautiful the temple is. It says this, Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. 
Jesus is making a very big, very important point here about how he is the true temple. In the book of John, it's even more explicit because Jesus talks about how the temple will be torn down and rebuilt in three days. He's locating the kingdom of God now on himself. What he's saying is temple worship, worship that is predicated on a building and a place, is passing away. That's not the way of the kingdom of God. The way of the kingdom of God is not based on a building. It's not based on a place. It is based on those who follow Jesus doing the work of Jesus in the world. That is probably the worst possible thing I could preach as we're finishing a building campaign. There you go. That's it. But I don't, I don't care because we all know the truth that buildings are important. We are here in a building that people built so that we could worship. Buildings are important. We all have homes that we go back to. Buildings are a place for us to do ministry, for us to bless the community, for us to come together and connect with each other and with God. Buildings are a tool and an important tool. And that's why I believe in the remodel plans and I believe in the idea of an inclusive playground because those are places where now people can come together and be blessed by this church. People can come together and connect with God and each other and I believe that that is important. But we have to absolutely keep on the front of our mind the truth that buildings and playgrounds are not the church. Buildings and playgrounds are not the church. We are the church, and the church only works when we bring ourselves. And that's what I mean today when I say that all have value. I love this church because I've gotten to know and love the people that are this church. As I was preparing for this sermon, I remembered uh, that two years and a handful of months ago, I sat right here uh, with Suzanne, and she was introducing me to the congregation as the new campus pastor. And I said something that felt a little silly to me to say at that time because I didn't know any of you except for Dave and Christopher, right? And I said, my commitment is to love you. Two years and a handful of months ago, that's what I said. And I don't think I said at that moment that I do love you because I didn't know you. You can't love people that you don't know. But I said, my commitment is to love you. And two years and a handful of months later, I can stand here in front of this music stand and tell you that I love you because I've gotten to know you. And when I sit down with you and when I hear from you and when we talk to each other and you bring your whole self, I see how much value you bring to this church. I see how much better this church is because you're in it. I see how much better I am because I get to be part of the same church as you. You have inherent value that you bring to this whole thing. It doesn't matter how much you put in the offering bag When it comes around, what matters is that when you are here, you bring yourself. And I'm not talking about physically. Obviously, you bring yourself. But I'm talking about bringing your whole self, like the widow who brought her pennies. When you come here, my prayer is that you bring in with you your grief and your anxiety and your stress. That when you come here, you bring in with you your joy and your gratefulness. That when you come here, you come in not feeling like you have to hide what's going on in your heart or hide what's going on in your life. That this isn't a place that you come into and have to feel like you put on a mask so that nobody can know what's going on. I would, this is a place that is only beautiful if you come in and are not fine. That's the value that you bring to this church. And it can't be quantified on a commitment card. You're all in when you bring yourself to this place 
and be yourself fully in this place. When we come in like that, I think we're like these photo mosaics. I was going to make one of these of the bridge, but it costs like $120. Um, it's not worth the bit. So this is, you get a skyline. These, these photo mosaics, you've all seen them someplace, I'm sure. Uh, it's made up of thousands of little pictures. It's made up of thousands of little pictures. And you can't see the individual ones unless you zoom in really far and really try to take a look because that's not the point. The point is that the, the big picture only works if all of those little pictures are present. If you took one of those out uh, and just put it in with a purple space, the whole picture would be ruined, right? Like we need all of these little photos for the big photo to work. The whole would not exist without the hundreds of smaller pictures. Every photo in that mosaic has value. And whether when it was taken or not, uh, somebody knew it would be used in this way, every one of these photos is all in on the mosaic, just by being there, just by being part of the picture. So next week is Commitment Sunday. And it sounds bad, but I don't care what you write on your card. I really don't. Your value to this church is not determined by the information on a commitment card. Your status is not determined by the size of your donation. This church only works when we bring ourselves. That's the truest gift that we can offer God and each other. And if you're bringing that, you're all in. And I'm all in with you. And that's a beautiful space to be. Your value is inherent to who you are, and as you bring yourself to this church, bring yourself to connecting with God and others, bring yourself to the service of others, bring yourself to growing in your relationship with God, you are making this church and our community a more beautiful place. Well, yeah, but I don't feel great about this. Yeah, that's okay. That, that's value. Yeah, well, I, I don't have time to serve in this kind of thing. That's okay. You bring value. But I don't know if I can know. You are here. You bring yourself. You have value. That is ultimately what this campaign is about and what it means to be all in. And I stand here very grateful this morning to be all in with you. Show the video. Steve Barger here. I uh, have been at Meredith Drive for about three years and um, worked at ChildServe in Johnston for about 11 years. My time at ChildServe has really impacted my opinion on inclusivity and adaptivity for individuals with uh, disabilities. About a year ago, I guess, I approached Suzanne Vogel. I needed to do an internship as a part of my seminary program, and uh, we came up with an idea and a plan for that as I uh, Worked through the internship with Suzanne. Some ideas were floating around about an inclusive playground in Johnston. I, of course, very passionate about that, um, was interested and intrigued, and the conversation continued, and we've just started to look at planning for that to happen. So what is an inclusive playground? An inclusive playground is a playground where children with disabilities and children who have normal function and are blessed with all their abilities can play together on the same level. There are accessible playgrounds in the metro um, where children are allowed to roll up and access 
all the different uh, play apparatus, but there are also inclusive playgrounds in the Metro. One example would be the Miracle League playground in Ankeny. I would encourage you to take a look at that if you're really interested in knowing more about inclusivity in playgrounds. The idea is, is that kids can play with each other, can learn from each other, um, can impact each other. I have seen many occasions where um, that has been a life-changing scenario. There is a two-way um, learning opportunity, a growth opportunity, and really an opportunity for their lives to be changed in a positive way. And when they come into the environment, there's always a discomfort and a standoffishness that just is natural. And by the time they leave that opportunity, it's amazing to see how much they've grown, how comfortable they are interacting with children with special needs, and how lives are changed in that environment. So I would look forward to that happening on the playground as well. Thank you.